All right. Let's take a look now at Genesis 2, 15 through 17. Can I get another volunteer reader? I can't see it, so I okay. can't do it. No problem. Okay. The Lord took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Okay, part of the scripture is cut off, so from any okay. garden you may eat freely. <laughs> okay. and, but from the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the, in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Okay. So we see that then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden. What does this imply? And I, this, this struck me the first time that I... Uh, I think read this looking for observations that man was not created in the garden. Man is created outside of the garden. In fact, we don't learn of this garden being created until after the creation of man. At that point, it says that God then planted the garden. So God planted this garden specifically for Adam. So not only has he created a perfect creation, but within that perfect creation, he's created a microcosm that is even more perfect. For Adam. And this is, um, would be similar to the throne from which he rules the earth. Uh, he is given a perfect throne room now to rule the earth from. So God created him outside of the garden. Adam would understandably have seen the world outside of the garden. Um, God placed him into this garden and now he is to cultivate and keep it. Again, this idea of labor or work being a good thing. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. So again, a lot of people, I think, uh, I think there's a movie where Jodie Foster hammers in this point saying, uh, God was selfish in not letting man eat from that tree. Uh, and oh man, I heard one uh, on a TV show the other day where uh, one woman is talking to a preacher and she says, um, you know why I think Adam and Eve ate from that tree? I bet they were starving. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty clearly untrue here. Um, they had access to every tree and not only does the whole earth uh, have food for them but now this garden specifically planted for them for all of their needs and all of their purposes and God said eat from every tree so there wasn't just one tree we see two trees named in the first three chapters of Genesis uh, but we have an understanding that there were quite a few trees for them to eat from and the garden was likely quite a large area as well so the fact that they're even spending their time near this tree that they've been banned from is uh, another interesting observation. Hey, from any tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Okay. Any observations from this text? We've got the opportunity to eat from any tree of the garden except for one. Does anyone have any idea why God would forbid 
a single tree from being eaten from. And the observations are welcome. Well, my thought is he's giving, he's giving, um, like he's protecting them from, from evil. Okay, protection from something evil. Something that can hurt. Yeah, Dan said to test them. Um, I think both of these ideas kind of go hand in hand. Um, as I mentioned with um, the Abrahamic covenant, God gives Abraham a nice brand new car but then says, you need a license to drive this car. God has put man in this perfect state in a garden and said, rule over it all. But um, God has not yet tested man's obedience. And this is not for God to understand whether or not man will be obedient, but for man to understand his own nature and his own difference from God. Um, he that Adam was created, um, in fact, man, even still today, uh, runs the risk of thinking themselves God. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Shirley MacLaine and her uh, idea that we are all little gods, but uh, even in churches with Kenneth Copeland's church, he preaches a message that we are all gods. And I think this would have been of particular danger for Adam, being that he wasn't aware of things prior to his existence uh, and he would have seen all man come from him, it would have been a particular danger that he start to see himself as uh, more like God than he actually is. So there is still a distinction, of an impassable distinction between God and man. Uh, there is no continuity of being here. They are on a different plane. And God has to show that to man. So he does test his obedience by providing a, an opportunity for him to be disobedient. God's purpose in providing this opportunity is not malevolent. It's not to destroy man or to cause man to sin, but to show man his own nature. In fact, even today, we'll look at God's provision for man, even through his sin, that God is not willing that any die. Um, but um, his main purpose throughout creation and throughout scripture is to bring glory to himself and um, sending the savior Christ to become man and die for man ultimately brings incredible glory to him. Um, all right, so we can't eat from only that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. So here's another very interesting clause in the day not if but when in the day that you eat from it you will surely die this isn't a uh, this isn't presented as something that may or may not happen it is understood that they are going to do it it's essentially like when you tell your kids uh don't play with this or don't touch that. The next thing they're going to do is play with that or touch that. Uh, it's in our nature to test the boundaries, to test the limits. Uh, okay, in that day you will surely die. This is the first time of 800 times in the Hebrew scripture that this word die is used. And every single time, dying means dying. 
there is no special meaning in this sense. Death is death. All right. Another observation to be brought. In the English, there's punctuation that tells us this is a quote. This is still part of what God is saying. So God is verbally communicating this to man. And for God to use this as a punishment for disobedience, man has to understand what it means. So this would have likely been Adam's first, uh, first time hearing this word, death, first time understanding its consequences. Uh, but we have to understand this as Adam knew what death was. We don't see a comprehensive discussion between God and Adam. Uh, this is a very, very uh, abbreviated account of God's interactions with Adam. It would probably be likely that these terms were defined more explicitly to Adam in order to use death as that consequence and to be told to Adam, death is the consequence, Adam would understand what death was. So he understood the gravity of disobedience. Um, death essentially in a scriptural sense is separation from God, the eventual separation of soul and body um, and that soul being separated for eternity from God. Death is to be out of the presence of God. Okay, moving on to the next. I'm going to look at Genesis 3, 12 through 13. I need another reader. Man said, Go ahead, Mark. All right. The, the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree. And I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. All right. So, uh, in the idea of being uh, brief here, I didn't include the whole passage from um, 3.12 or from uh, chapter 3. But when Eve was tempted by the serpent, uh, she misquoted God. When Eve was told by Adam, Adam was told by God that every tree is for you, except for this tree that you can't eat from. And Eve adds to that. So she's drawing extra boundaries that God never drew um, on this tree and saying that we can't even touch it or we'll die. And perhaps at that point, um, Eve starts to think, well, that's a little harsh, even though it was her own addition to scripture. Um, you can see her exaggerating God's commandments to her, uh, inflating them to be something that they were not. So at that point, Satan sees a foothold where the woman is willing to uh, misinterpret, to misquote, to misunderstand God. And that is then when we see the first lie, where he says, you will not surely die, but you will be as gods. So again, this danger in, uh, in man thinking that he is a god himself, we see the serpent exacerbating that worry that um, man may look at himself as a god. And so the very purpose in God's testing 
is seen as the consequence of uh, or the result, the reason why man sinned was this pride or hubris of thinking, I'd like to be like God, God's holding back from me. He has not provided everything that I need. Um, it's an inability or an unwillingness to see your true situation uh, and a choice then. But uh, it says that Eve was deceived into eating the apple or to eating the fruit rather. And then she gave that fruit to her husband and her husband ate. So Eve was tricked. Eve was deceived, uh, even though it was through her own uh, unwillingness or inability to uh, heed God's direct words. I mean, if God is speaking to you, you think you'd uh, try to. Uh, Eve obviously did not put much importance or emphasis in. Uh, understanding exactly what God had said. And that's one reason why we, we dive in and we make these observations in the scriptures so that we don't do like Eve and start adding or removing things that are or aren't there. Uh, so it says, the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me. So when God comes to man in the garden and says, what have you done? He points his finger to the woman and says, you did this, essentially. Yes, the woman gave it to me, but God, it's your fault. So this is absolutely an inability to uh, be repentant. Um, there is no repentance seen in this first statement by man. His first inclination is to blame God. She gave me from the tree and I ate. So she gave it to him and I ate. Still an interesting admission that uh, Adam doesn't really have a way around the fact that he ate it. Uh, that was his choice. She didn't shove it down his throat. He took it from her and he ate it. So not only does the woman choose to listen to the voice of the serpent over the voice of God, and that only happened because she was more interested in her own interpretation of God's word rather than God's interpretation of his word. Uh, but now man chose to listen to the woman's words over God's words. So we see a complete breakdown of communication. And always at the butt end of that is the unwillingness to take God's words for their meaning. Uh, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So, it's quite obvious here in the text, in the difference between what Adam said and what Eve said, that Adam was not deceived by his wife. She didn't trick him. Uh, she didn't lie to him. He would have seen what she did and made a conscious choice at that point to disobey God. Uh, we don't know exactly why he did this. Doesn't endeavor to tell us. Uh, it's possible that he chose to be with his companion that God gave him rather than to maintain his fellowship with God. So a holding up of the creation above the creator is um, a huge problem here in this first three books. So we see man given responsibility and immediately failing in his responsibility and the breakdown 
of that problem really roots from an unwillingness to view God in his proper position as God. Um, okay, I think we can go to the next. We're going to organize some of these ideas. So oftentimes as I go through the scriptures, uh, I just like to make as many observations per verse as I can and then organize them into some way that is more understandable an outline of these passages, what's being said. Um, so right in verse 28, we see a blessing to mankind that uh, God had intended him to uh, enjoy this earth, that enjoyment was really the intention behind it. In the same verse, we see a command. So we'll understand this as a conditional um, covenant with Adam, that the benefit of the covenant is a blessing and the obligation of the covenant is this command to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. And the specific terms of dominion would be over the fish, fowl, and living things. So we got sea, air, and earth. God's provision to man. So not only did he give him a commandment, but he gave him the ability to follow these commandments. Uh, Given to man is every herb with seed and every uh, tree with fruit with seed. Uh, except for one. So we see, again, God gave him everything that he needed to be obedient, and still he chose to be disobedient. So this finger can't be pointed back at God at this point. The garden was planted by God. So again, we see that this wasn't even just chance sproutings of a tree that maybe he'll find one here and maybe he'll find one there. But God specifically designed this garden for man's best enjoyment and ability to obey. And his other provision was to the beasts and the fowl. So to his other creation as well, he also cared. Uh, there is a passage from Matthew 5, I believe, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, where God says the birds don't need for food. You also won't need for food. Uh, the flowers have clothing. You will also have clothing. Now, this is uh, the Sermon on the Mount is an explication of God's kingdom. And this is yet a future kingdom. Uh, but it is the kingdom that will return that was meant for, designed for Eden. So when we look at that future kingdom and those conditions that Christ explains in the Sermon on the Mount, we can understand that those were also these conditions in Eden. So what he intends for the final kingdom was also his intention in this original um, kingdom. Man was provided. For. He had food and well, he didn't need clothing, but we'll take a look at that in a second. Uh, so given to the beasts, is also food. So God cares not only for man, but the creation over which man has dominion. The purpose was dominion. The purpose was for man to rule vicariously or for God to rule vicariously through man over this creation. Um, in our creation, there are two thrones. There is the throne over the entire universe that is unequivocally and eternally God's. Uh, that throne cannot be challenged. He is a unique creature, completely unlike us. But the throne over the earth, 
is one that God handed to man and man lost to Satan. We'll see through the rest of scripture until the very end of Revelation that Satan is the ruler of this world. That title deed to the earth was handed over to him when God, when Eve and Adam chose to listen to the serpent's lies over God. Uh, man lost the kingdom at that point, and Satan, as a conquering foe, took that um, for himself. So the condition of this covenant was singular. Don't eat the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. And we see that repeated multiple times um, in 130, in 2.9, and in 2.16. Uh, this is actually uh, more prominent in the first two chapters, this command not to eat the tree, than was man's commandment to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. So God really hammered home this point. Don't eat the tree. Be obedient to what I've asked you to do. So a positive obedience and a negative obedience is in view here. But eventually they did fail. They ate. Uh, we'll see that in 3.6 is when Eve first ate. But also there is an implicit failure here. They failed to have dominion over the creation. Their command was um, the positive to be uh, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue, and have dominion over. It's interesting that Satan came as part of creation. He came to Eve as the creation over which she was responsible to have dominion with Adam. They chose to listen to the creation which they were supposed to subdue, rather than listening to the creator who gave this to them. Um, so we see a top-down reversal of God's intention for creation. Okay, now that's the process of observation. We really want to dig into the text and understand as much as we possibly can from the words that are on the page. But it's not good enough just for us to go and do this ourselves because a lot of us are limited in our knowledge, um, especially me. I, I tend to miss more things than I find when I go through scripture. Uh, there are other scholars which have many, many more years um, of study and understanding and can really tie and organize these things together. Also many who have an understanding of the Hebrew scriptures, much beyond myself, I have only a rudimentary understanding. Uh, so after we do our observations as part of the interpretation, it's a good thing to go and check with commentaries or other um, Bible resources to see perhaps there is just something glaringly obvious that we've missed. So we're going to take a look at Larkin again. Uh, he has this very succinct summary of the Edenic covenant. And you'll see he's got a reference here to the Psalms. So he's bringing in other scriptures as well. So he's proof, uh, proof texting scripture against itself, which is a very good method of interpretation. We don't want to proof it against our own um, dogma, but against scripture. So his first condition is to replenish the earth with human children, to subdue the earth to the needs of humans, 
have dominion over animal creation, maintain a vegetable diet, to labor or till the garden, work being a pleasure, to abstain from eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the punishment for this disobedience is physical death. So you can see that he's added a few modifiers. Um, for example, human children, uh, man's purpose on the earth was not to uh, be involved so extensively with animal husbandry that there were few humans and an incredibly large amount of animals. The intention in telling man to multiply and replenish the earth was specifically for human uh, multiplication. So all of these, um, the earth is overpopulated, um, stop having human children, um, abortions uh, being readily available at any city, but um, the endangered animals being uh, basically the, the cry for, we need more abortions, but we also need to protect all the animals. This flies in the face of God's command to man to be fruitful and multiply. It is again, putting that creation over, uh, animal creation over created humans. Um, subdue the earth to the needs of humans, uh, not just passive observance, but um, to subdue, to have dominion over animal creation. He has specified animal creation here again, because uh, man listened to uh, animal creation and animal creation deceived him into disobeying God. Maintaining a vegetable diet, this we'll see is unique to uh, pre-flood um, world after the flood is the introduction of uh, meat. Labor, so work is a pleasure. Um, abstain from eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the punishment for disobedience is physical death. So Larkin has again modified death to mean physical death here uh, because in every other instance where death, the word in Hebrew is used, it always means physical death. 